Hey, it's Jeremy, and before we get into this episode, just want to let you know it's presented by our friends over at Pence Homes. P-E-N-T-Z Homes.com is where you can find them. Nate Pence and his team not only are huge supporters of the Minnesota soccer community, helping out teams like Minnesota Aurora, Minneapolis City, and of course being huge supporters of Minnesota United as well. They're also helping countless people in and around the Twin Cities sell their home for top dollar and get into a new home at a price that's not going to break the bank. It's hard to do in this market, but Nate and his team are doing so successfully. They have the team and the technology to help you navigate this market. Nate has been around for a long time. He knows what he's doing, and he's going to do so in a way that's going to keep you as relaxed as humanly possible during that process. Of course, me and my wife just moved out of a townhome and into a new house about a year and a half ago, and any move is stressful. But when you're selling and buying a house simultaneously, the stress level is is almost too much. So you want a realtor and you want a team who's there to help guide you through the process, who's there to help you take as much stress out of that process as humanly possible. That's what Nate and his team do. So if you want to get involved with somebody who lends their support to the Minnesota soccer community, but also is damn good at what they do, check out Nate, check out Pence Home. So you can check them out online, P-E-N-T-Z-Homes.com, and check out their countless number of five-star reviews. Or if I've sold you here and you want to contact Nate directly, you can shoot him an email, Nate, in ate at PenceHomes.com. Big thanks to Pence Homes for sponsoring this episode. Now let's get into it. up and welcome in to another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, fellow contributor to SodaSoccer.com for episode 112, it's Mr. Dominic Jose Bazzogno. Dom, how are we doing? I am uh, I'm doing well. I'll share quick with the audience. We were talking about this before we started. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a very active 24 hours for me. I, I yesterday was on assignment at uh, at a, a section tournament game between Osseo and Park Center that ended 2-2 regulation time, uh, went to overtime. And uh, unfortunately, a lightning strike uh, in the first, at the end of the first half of overtime meant that they had to stop the game. The storm then did not leave the area, so they had to postpone the game till today when we're recording. And unfortunately, because of some detail in the rules, that meant that they had to wipe the result. That's uh, why. Instead of just, I thought they were going to play, re- like maybe start overtime over and just kind of replay overtime. Yeah. And uh, that that is not what they did. <laughs> uh, so uh, so they had to play oh, the whole no. game. So they had to play the whole game again. And bear in mind, we're recording Wednesday. The original game was Tuesday. Tuesday was very warm and today was not. So <laughs> yeah. when they played the first game, it was like 65 the whole time. Today mm-hmm. at kickoff, it was like 45, and that's the warmest it got. So oh my uh, just such a weird – oh, and then today the game ended <laughs> 2-2 again for four <laughs> new goals. And then it went to overtime. No, and, and for those that don't know, in high school, at least in Minnesota, uh, in overtime it's golden goal. You only need one goal to win. Yep. Uh, no one scored, so it went to penalties, and, and Osseo ended up winning. Uh, so I somehow in 24 hours 
literally one fixture, I managed to to add up about 200 minutes. Uh, so shout, shout out to all those student athletes who managed to, to play that much. They unfortunately have to play again Friday, so hopefully they're able to recover. But uh, yeah, that, that, that was my day, audience. <laughs> so two days, eight goals, yeah. 200 plus minutes. Yeah. Just wow. to decide who goes to the semis of a section tournament. Yeah, no big deal. It, it was, yeah, it was crazy. Sheesh. Well, Dom, <laughs> I'm glad you made it through that. Yeah. Um, maybe, hopefully you're getting paid by the hour over there. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that'd be, that'd be a lot of overtime, I feel like. But anyways, yeah. um, yeah, this, this insanity. Uh, that's, I don't know how to transition out of that, but we're going to do that. Uh, we are presented by SotaSoccer.com, your new home for soccer coverage in the North. Make sure you're checking us out at SOTASoccer.com. Also subscribe to the podcast. If you could leave us a rating and review. Also follow us on the socials, um, at Soda SOC. Now, if you want to go the extra mile, you want, maybe you, you like what we're doing. You like the podcast, you like the website, whatever, and you want to sort of contribute to what we're doing, maybe support us. Uh, you can do that. We have a Patreon. You can contribute for as low as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash soda soccer, just like Dan O'Gara did. Uh, big shout out to Dan. Dan uh, is our newest subscriber over at patreon.com slash soda soccer. Made a $3 a month pledge just today as we're recording here. So big thanks to Dan, big ups. And if you want to follow his lead, just head to patreon.com slash soda soccer, where you can find. This week's edition of 10K Stoppage Time, where Dom and I will have a little bit of fun and we will go through and give our MLS playoff predictions. Who is going to go to MLS Cup and win the whole thing? We will tell you. Patreon.com slash SodaSoccer. 10K Stoppage Time. Uh, just coming up right after you listen to this. So make sure you check that out. All right, Dom. For the first time in a while, we are not starting off with Minnesota United News. Yeah. Um, we are starting off with Minneapolis City News. Because they made a pretty big announcement today. Um, they sent out a tweet earlier today saying that their senior side will be focusing solely on the highest level of amateur competition, which is USL League Two. And their uh, developmental future side will be focused in the UPSL, which means they're going from three tiers to two tiers and they are cutting out the NPSL. So no more Minneapolis City and the NPSL North. They will be departing. Um, effective in 2023 and focusing strictly on USL2 and the UPSL. Dom, as somebody who has covered the NPSL for the better part of the last six years, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of thoughts. And, and, and one thing worth noting quick is that uh, as far as my understanding was and how they, how, how the postings from Minneapolis City um, made it sound that this is the result of, of sort of a, a vote by the, the people who essentially have a voting right via their, their, uh, like season ticket. Uh, yeah. For, so for those who don't know, Minneapolis City member-owned club, they do not make any of these types of decisions without approval yeah. and without running it by members and and stuff right. like that. So, so, um, so yeah. with, with that, just, just you know, obviously something important to note when you have this kind of big decision. So, so that that's out there. Um, so, uh, all I'm going to say, like from here aside. The immediate thing that that is good about this is that this is a decision that's a reflection of what the club essentially as a community is feeling they want to do. And at the end of the day, that's, you know, how these sorts of decisions should be made. So 
I think just to start off the conversation, that that's something that I, I appreciate about about the move. Um, yeah, for for me, it, this is interesting because when the when the various lower league seasons ended this summer, I, I had mentioned I, I think on here, um, otherwise maybe in an article, but I had you know mentioned that obviously this off season they're going to be exploring ways to improve on on how this last summer went because in two of those three leagues they did struggle quite a bit. Um, and, and I had theorized that leaving one of them would probably make things easier. Um, Mm -hmm. I had not thought that the one they would leave was the NPSL. I I think my guess, my hypothetical, really more than a guess was was that you would leave the UPSL and move the futures up. Uh, that obviously is not what happened. And and so for me, that's interesting. I, I, I would love to, and I'm sure I will at some point hear more about what led to that specific part of the decision mm-hmm. um and just in terms of deciding to to keep the futures in the upsl versus moving them up uh the the, the playing your best players in usl League two part of it makes sense and i, I mean there's really yeah. no question marks about that um, i think they tried to do that this summer as well uh the rest of it's really just a matter of putting those players in a better position um but yeah it's it's interesting you know i guess the, the first thing for me is that Obviously, there's a, a it's a little sad to see a, a major team from the MPSL North no longer be there. Um, the, uh, Minneapolis City have, have been as much the ad- identity of that conference as anybody else, and, and, and often more than many of the other teams. And uh, obviously, they're multi-time winners of that conference. Uh, a big part, oh, you know, obviously been part of that sort of quote-unquote big three that people sometimes talk about uh, with, with Duluth and Med City in terms of the teams that are usually kind of in it uh, for trophies and that sort of thing. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, on, on that part, from sort of a his, historian uh, kind of perspective, there, there's there's a unfortunate side to to it. At the same time, I think that uh, in terms of their ability to compete in USLE two, this is a generally good move. Wh- whatever league the futures ended up playing in, making USLE two a clear favorite, sort of, or a clear focus rather is probably a better word for that roster was always going to help them be better in USL League 2. So mm-hmm. um, in that sense, makes uh, it makes sense to me. It's something I expected to happen in some form or another. Uh, and, and I think that it's, you know, probably provides all the more reason to be excited about what year two of that project looks like for Minneapolis City. Um, but yeah, again, you know, it's uh, a little unfortunate just from a nostalgia point of view that obviously they won't be in the league anymore. Um, Again, very interested to see, you know, what what they what their perspective is on that decision to specifically put the futures or, or rather keep the futures in the UPSL uh, instead of perhaps moving them up into the NPSL. I'm sure they have reasons for that. I would I would uh, be surprised if they didn't. Um, but but I'm curious what those are. Um, and yeah, again, it's it, yeah, it's 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 an interesting moment. Um, the NPSL North has has. Lost and gained a team, a team or two over the years, but it's usually kind of been the teams that are mid to lower table, uh, and it happens relatively infrequently. And when it does, they sometimes even come back, like the Twin Stars kind of did. Um, this is kind of the first time that uh, a club that has been more the identity of the conference has left, and it'll be yep. interesting to see how that shapes uh, the MPS- MPSL North moving forward. It'll be interesting to see how that space is filled. Uh, both competitively and also in terms of just sort of attention and 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 momentum, um, and you know it, it does signal that next season, 
for the NPSL North is probably going to be another year of, of Med City versus Duluth, which is not a bad thing. Yep. That was incredibly entertaining this year. But the fact that there isn't the option of Minneapolis City kind of having a comeback year, so to say, uh, it probably means those two teams, unless, you know, the fusion really, really ramp it up or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably well, like means the, that it's going to be those two. Yeah. I think this was a year in the MPSL North where you, you did see some of those those traditional bottom yeah. table teams kind of raise their game a little bit. Right. And while it was really Mid-City and Duluth running away with it, you couldn't really count anybody else out in a, in a one-match situation yeah. over the entire season. And so I think when you, when you pull Minneapolis City out of that puzzle, and I'll get to my thoughts on kind of their moving out of that in a minute, I think it does – create the potential for a little bit more parity in mm. that conference. Um, now on Minneapolis city side, you know, I, this news while it was surprising on, upon further review, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think being in both the NPSL and the USL league two last year, being in both of those, I think hurt them in both leagues. Um, not being able to focus on one sort of spreading yourself thin between the two. And I think last year was, was a lot of, um, just testing things out and seeing how it goes and seeing what they need to do for years two and three. Right. Right. So um, yeah, it is a little bit, it'll be different in the MPSL North next year with, with no Minneapolis city involved. But again, I think, you know, you saw Dakota fusion take a step forward last year. You saw twin stars at times make a, make steps last year. Um, Even um, Eris, you know, yeah. when they were able to take the field, we're, you know, we're, we're putting in really competitive matches. So um, I'm excited to see what the MPSL North looks like, the DNA of the MPSL North looks like without Minneapolis City. And um, I think we were kind of looking at maybe a little bit more competition as things move forward anyways. And I think this just furthers that more. But for Minneapolis City, I do think this is really the right move and something that could be really exciting. And um, it's, it's, it's intriguing to see, you know, to think of the possibilities of what could happen with them in USL League 2 with that sort of as their sole focus from a senior team standpoint, and then from a future standpoint, how they can continue to compete in the UPSL. Yeah. And, you know, I think something that became clear by the end of this last season, um, and, 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 you know, this is a combination of my observations and, and, and some conjecture and also things that I was hearing directly from uh, the club. I, I recall there was a, a, one of the the weekly articles I did for, for, the league recapping um i i shared this this information that that was shared with me by the club the injury list up at that point i think it was with three or four games left in the season and i'm blanking on the exact numbers now but the, the, the point being that by the end of that this last season the injuries had piled up tremendously yeah for minneapolis city and, and i think that what they're trying to do, uh, and particularly we're trying to do this last summer with this multi-league, one roster, you know, kind of thing. I, I'm, it's, I'm explaining it very briefly, but that's kind of the gist of, of what they were trying to do. And I think they're still trying to do it in a way. Um, I think it's a good idea. I think that this new version of it that they're going to do is probably going to work better. I think that realistically, when you're in a situation where you have the futures, really, the, the, the sort of reserve quote-unquote, or youth team has, you know, one lead, and then you have two above that. To make that work, to make the MPSL and the and USL League 2 work would just require such a large roster. Yep. And, and I just don't think it's a, a roster size that any organization at that level is particularly interested in having. Yeah. Um, bear in mind, by the way, that with every player – 
expenses increase, resources increase, even if they, you know, are from the area, obviously Minneapolis city focused on, on talent from the area, but even then, I mean, even just registering a player costs money. So um, mm -hmm. I just think that the numbers that would have been needed for what this, they tried this summer to work as well as they would have wanted, I just don't think they're numbers that they're probably willing to work with for the, yeah. for the practicality of it all. Uh, and so I think this refocus, again, is, is a smart move. I think that, that it means that this summer they will be better prepared. They're already doing well in the UPSL, but I'm sure they'll continue to do well. And in terms of the USL League 2, uh, I'm, I'm sure that we'll see a, a more competitive focus side out of that. Really, again, the only interesting question mark for me is just the nature of, of that decision to go UPSL, not NPSL with the futures. But again, I'm sure there's an interesting perspective they have to, to provide on that. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure more details will be coming out as, you know, we get further into the off season. And um, I'm really excited to have John or, or Dan uh, from Minneapolis city on the show to kind of talk through that decision and, and kind of what they saw in year one and what they plan to do ahead in year two. So uh, we'll, we'll try to get that here in the next two or three weeks for you guys. I think that'd be a really good conversation. Those guys are always willing to, to chat with us as well. So um, we'll try to make that happen. Um, moving on now though to Minnesota United. Um, it, they did get off the schneid. They did what they had to do. It was a 2-0 win over Vancouver at Allianz Field in front of a record crowd on decision day. 19,900 plus packing, standing room only there. And uh, with the win, not only do the Loons break their losing streak, they break their non-winning streak, uh, but they do clinch their fourth straight playoff appearance as well. Uh, Fragapane opens the scoring in the 17th minute with a right-footed right -footed beauty. Uh, words. Uh, Jonathan Gonzalez opens his Minnesota account with a 77th minute clincher. Seven saves for Dane St. Clair. Fragapane and Coleman earn Team of the Week honors. And with the win, the Loons are now the sixth seed in the West. This was a turnaround exactly when Minnesota needed it most. Um, I have I had a bunch of people ask me before the game, what's going to happen? What's What do you think is going to happen? I was like, and I, my, I answered honestly, it's like, I have no idea. I have no idea. I could see them winning 4-0. I could see them losing 4-0. Um, or I could see it being a really disappointing 1-1 draw that barely gets them into the playoffs. But they did a little bit more than that, and I think there was enough out of this game. Now, context of the last month says that this team overall isn't in good form, but I think they did enough in this match to at least bring the idea in your mind that maybe at Dallas, a place that they've won already this season, they could potentially pull an upset there. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, we, we talked last, last episode about how this game was going to be a you-have-to-get-the-job-done situation. Um, they did that, and, and they get the win. They, you know, didn't just rely on other results to, to sort of uh, cushion them in. They, they got the win. They, they got the job done on their own at Allianz Field, and, and for that – they have to be happy. They have to be positive about the performance and, and people certainly have to give them credit for it. Um, like you said, the context of it all obviously reveals that the fact that it even required a result against Vancouver is, is, you know, the reflection of, of a really rough uh, uh, run of form that this team has been on. And so, yeah, it's hard to know quite what to expect uh, coming up at Dallas. Uh, I think, this team has always had a, a big ceiling or a high ceiling in terms of what it's capable of game to game. 
But of course, we've very much seen various points this season, uh, their ability to be inconsistent or or really to drop in form for a game or two quite drastically. And so you talk about how high the ceiling, we've seen how low that floor. Yes, can be. exactly. So it's it's a it's a tough one to really know what to expect. Uh, obviously, this Dallas side is very good, as you noted. Though Minnesota United have have had good performances against this Dallas team, not their most recent one uh, at at Allianz Field, but before that, uh, you'd had some positive performances. So, and 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 to be actually to be perfectly fair, that loss that uh, was a three nil loss at Allianz Field against Dallas was a game that, in a lot of ways, on paper, Minnesota United did well <laughs> and yeah. uh and then they did really poorly for a little while and dallas scored a bunch of goals so <laughs> it's uh it's it's again it's just it throws another wrench into the into the machine in terms of how to quite predict this game but uh at the end of the day you know going into that last uh the, the vancouver game uh we talked about how at you know look we're here you gotta get this win you gotta get over the line you got in the playoffs you gotta be get that consistency i mean it, that's you know as from what we've heard, that's the thing that has made Adrian Heath such a supported figure, you know, by by the club is the consistency, the playoff consistency that he's been able to bring to this team uh, these last several seasons. And you get over that line. Uh, that's that's important. Uh, now it's 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 about mm-hmm. finding uh, a performance like the Vancouver performance or a better one uh, against a better team. And uh, we'll have to wait and see, but. Uh, yeah, and, and, and you know, for what it's worth, you have highlighted this for a while, but just to remind people, uh, the way things played out, if Minnesota United had been a little lucky with a couple other results, they actually still could have ended up hosting a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, this weekend. So there was actually uh, one point in the first yeah. half down where the results were such that Minnesota was actually in fourth right. on the live table. Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, it is possible. So. Yeah, I mean, good, good, good to see them get that performance and good to see them get over the line. Obviously, it would have been much worse to not make the playoffs, but uh, but still, probably a lot yet to be known about what how we'll remember this season based on what uh, what Adrian Heath and the players are able to sort of bring uh, against Dallas. So now you travel down to Frisco, Texas, just yes. outside of Dallas for the first round. Um, FC Dallas finished the season losing only one of their last six matches. Um, obviously, Jesus Ferreira and Paul Areola are the obvious threats. Ferreira, 18 goals, six assists on the year. Areola, 10 goals, seven assists on the year. But don't sleep on Alan Velasco either. He scored the second of Dallas's three goals the last time they played Minnesota in that five minutes of madness. Uh, he finished the season with six goals and seven assists. So this is a Dallas team that can come at you in a lot of different ways. They've shown some pretty consistent defensive play as well. Um, quality defensive play, I should say. Um, and you mentioned it, Dom, last time these two teams met, Labor Day weekend, um, Adrian Heath called it five minutes of madness, and that's really what it was. If you take out the 55th through 59th minutes of that match, uh, Minnesota was going toe-to-toe with Dallas. Um, but it's that four-minute stretch or whatever it was where Dallas put in three goals that kind of showed that you know Minnesota could allow things to unravel at right. times as well. So. I think the key here for me is you got you got to get on you got to get on the board first. You can't play from behind when obviously, and this is the same for a lot of teams. But I mean, obviously, Minnesota's record is far better when they score first versus when they concede first. Right. Um, but I think with Minnesota, that that polarization is even more. 
Um, I think when they score first, they're able to set the tone and do a lot of things uh, with their formation and with their with their play that um, really allowed them to be advantageous in that situation. So, like they did against Vancouver, they switched to the four three three. They bring Jonathan Gonzalez on, and not only is it a good defensive shape for you, but he ends up getting a goal too, right? So, um, right. yeah, I think I think it put, obviously puts them in an advantageous situation, but I think it, it really fits the way they want to play when they're able to score first. So, um, anyways, that match is going to be Monday eight thirty p.m. Central Time on FS1. Pro programming notes, and I hate to do this for a playoff game. We're not going to do a post loons. We're going to do a pre loons on Twitter Spaces, seven thirty to eight p.m. And the reason why there's no post loons is I'll actually be joining the Strikers post game Twitter Spaces after. Um, the Striker obviously covers FC Dallas as one of their markets. Um, I've done some work behind the scenes with the Striker and their website as well. Um, so I'll actually be joining their post game Twitter Spaces after the match. Uh, so no post loons, but we will be doing pre loons before the game at seven thirty. Um, make sure you're supporting us and supporting our great sponsors for pre and post loons as well. Ninth street soccer and coffee Pence homes. Make sure you're checking those guys out. They've done a, a lot of great things to help us out this season. So uh, make sure you're helping them out, even though post loons is not going to be on as normal after the playoff game. But again, 8 30 PM FS one. The great thing is we're not going to get a half hour pregame and the game starts at nine Oh eight, uh, eight 38 PM, uh, central time is the kickoff. So, um, and uh, they're, they're doing like a back-to-back too. So the, the game before them, the Eastern conference games at six on FS one. So, um, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening this weekend. I mean, MLS cup playoffs is always great, but it, it means a little bit more when your team is in it. Um, I think there's, this could go a lot of different ways this year. Um, and what's interesting is, you know, we, we talked about the Jekyll and Hyde that Minnesota has been, but if they find that form that they had in July and August, there's no reason they can't make a deep run again, right? And so it, it could be, it could be the 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 Jeremy uh, the Jeremy Renner meme, where he's yeah. saying, "Don't give me hope." Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, it, it makes it, it makes it all the more exciting when your team's in it. Um, and I, I think they have a good chance against Dallas that they can put put together uh, a full ninety, which they haven't really done in a while. I wouldn't even consider them doing that against Vancouver. I think they put in a, a decent performance against Vancouver, but I do think they're capable of more. So we'll see what happens. Monday, 8.30 FS1, preludes at 7.30 before the match on Twitter Spaces. And then if you want to check out the Strikers post-game show, which uh, I will be on as well, you can do that on Twitter Spaces as well. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at Ninth Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at Ninth Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at Ninth Street, including Minnesota United Watch Parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at Ninth. Ninth Street MPLS, that's Ninth and Street, both spelled out N I N T H S T R E E T 
MPLS on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com, just like the uh, social handles, N-I-N-T-H-S-T-R-E-E-T-M-P-L-S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street in Minneapolis or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. All right, moving on to college soccer. Gophers get a big 1-0 bounce back win over Iowa on Sunday. Speaking of record crowds, Sunday was a big day for record crowds in Minnesota soccer because we just talked about nearly 20,000 packing Allianz Field. A record crowd of 1,919 on hand at Elizabeth Law Robbie Stadium on senior day for this one. Um, it was defender Gabby Cicerone scoring the winner off a corner from Kenna Beisman. Six saves for Megan Plashko to earn her fifth clean sheet of the year. And then prior to the match, it was Izzy Brown, Sadie Harper, Eva Brewer, Plachko, and Cicerone being honored as the seniors who will be departing after this season. Um, but a big win uh, for the Gophers to sort of kind of get back on the right track after a rough week. Um, but the schedule doesn't get any easier for them as they travel to top 10 Rutgers Thursday night, 6 p.m. Central Time kickoff on BTN+. Plus, and then down to Maryland on Sunday afternoon, 12 p.m. Central Time kickoff also on BTN+. Plus. Good win. Uh, but they're going to face a lot of adversity on the road uh, this weekend with a chance to follow it up. Yeah, uh, yeah, that you know, that that follow up is 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 one that's probably going to test the <laughs> the limits of of this bounce back. But at the same time, you know, you got to be happy to to get that win after the sort of tough start that that they've had to conference play. Uh, this is obviously a really talented squad that just hasn't quite gone some of the results they would have liked. Uh, particularly, you know, uh, suffering from from goals in the ends of games, the the latter part of the second half of games, and and so you know you take the results you get. Um, I, I'm sure that'll be motivating for them. But yeah, it's you know with with every victory, there's going to be some big challenges that follow. So uh, that that's up to up to the squad to sort of maintain this energy, turn this one result into some form that they can build on long term. Uh, but you know, that, that's, that's what the fight's about is, is, is finding those wins and, and building on them. So, uh, I'm sure they'll be happy to, to at least get the first step of that process done. And I think from a spectator's perspective, it made it that much more interesting. Like it, it made me want Minnesota to make the big 10 tournament that much more because this week they announced the big 10 women's soccer tournament is actually going to be at lower.com field, which is where the Columbus crew play. That's where the tournament's going to be at. So um that's super exciting um and it would be kind of a cool spectacle to see the gophers play on that stage as well but they have a lot of work to do and uh playing some top level competition this weekend but if they can get a couple wins um they'll be right back in it all right st thomas now we'll start with the women on a three-match losing streak now uh facing some adversity themselves following losses to both south dakota and sdsu over the weekend they do look to write the ship, though, Friday and Sunday versus Omaha and Denver, respectively. Um, this is a, a women's side that was in really, really good form. And still, they, they have, a, they have a, re- a good record at this point. Still a winning record, despite those three losses in a row. So it's good that they built themselves some equity, but uh, things starting to trend in the wrong direction for the Tomcats at the, at the current time. Yeah, you know, I I think it's it's a tough one, kind of as as you already said there. I, I think they got off to a really good start, uh, and and so you know this was probably coming at some point. 
um, just given still the work this program has to do to, to sort of long-term become a part of this Summit League environment. Um, but, you know, uh, th that's, that's something that they've had to navigate and deal with. Uh, unfortunately, it, it does sort of strain out through these three losses um, to two in this, in this time period. And, uh, you know, um, it's unfortunate, but I, I think that that I think that they would have planned for that sort of challenge this season. I think they would have, you know, planned ahead to have some some blows to their momentum like that, um, just given the, the nature of the challenge that they're in. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully they can navigate their way out of that, find that form again that they were in for a while there. This is clearly a very talented group, clearly a group that can find goals. Um, and so as long as you know that there's, there's every reason to be optimistic, every reason to, to enter each game, you know, thinking that you can get something out of it. So uh, I, I think this is a, a group uh, that, that has a lot of talent, a lot of potential, a lot of ambition. And, and I think they probably are positive about the outlooks on all that, but you got to also, you know, expect that there's going to be some bumps in the road like this still. So, so early in, in the D1 era of, of St. Thomas. On the men's side, Tommy's earn a 1-1 draw with 10th-ranked Denver thanks to 12 saves from goalkeeper Tucker Mann. Uh, obviously, after that performance, earning multiple National Player of the Week honors. Um, stepping up huge in a, in a spot where, I mean, let's face it, St. Thomas really could use results any way they can get them at this point uh, in the conference season. Uh, 12 saves is pretty astronomical, but you do get, you do share points with a top 10 team in the country. Um, I, I, you know, you look at the stats, not necessarily in St. Thomas's favor, but the results, I think maybe you could say is just another step forward for this program. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, look, uh, when, when you're a team at this level in St. Thomas's situation, uh, particularly in these early years, uh, your bid results are going to often rely on special days, special moments, and special performances from special players. And uh, and that's what Tucker Mann was able to bring to play in this game against Denver. Uh, uh, really provides a spotlight for himself and, and stands up and, and gives a, uh, oh gosh, what was the, was it Tim Howard against Belgium that he yeah. <laughs> made some <laughs> bizarre amount of saves in the World Cup? You know, puts puts on you know a big performance. Uh, goalkeepers always live on the edge of, of 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 glory and uh, <laughs> defamation when it comes yeah. to their performances, and um, you know he ends up on the right side of that coin. So that's a great moment for him. Uh, yeah, you know, getting a, t a a draw against a really 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 good team like Denver. That that's a good moment for the St. Thomas side. That much like the women are are still developing, having a tough mm -hmm. year so far. Um, but you know, and, and, and actually to be fair to them in conference play so far, a pretty good start, but a tough year overall. And, uh, yeah, you know, that, that's, that's the stepping stone that they're, that they're climbing up. And, uh, again, it's, it's great to see players, individual players kind of shine through that process over these, these first two years for them in the summit league, uh, stepping up and putting up special, special games. So, uh, yeah, congratulations to, to Tucker man on all the, uh, all the accolades that he's, he's picking up this week. Moving down to D2 now, St. Cloud's starting to come into form a little bit after a really rough start to GLIAC play. They grab their second win of the season. It's a 3-2 thriller on the road to Purdue Northwest. Owen Warsdale with two goals, and Miguel Conde-Guo scores one. 
to seal the win. And then you go on the road and you draw Davenport 2-2. It's uh, Nolan Pritumwin and Philip Caputo with the goals for St. Cloud. So you're finding goals now if you're the Huskies, and you're you're getting results. This is this is three results in a row, two wins and a draw um, and, and consecutive matches now for St. Cloud where – you know, after a really rough start, you're just you're finally starting to see it. And at the very least, it's got to give that program some some good, you know, something to fall back on and, and something to think of and, and take into the next season if they're not able to sort of finish this off and, and work their way up in any sort of playoff scenario. Yeah, absolutely. Look, this this St. Cloud program produces really good players. That That is without a doubt. I, I've, I've seen that firsthand. Um you know, some of those players play in the MPSL. That's how I know some of them. One of them yep. plays in an uh, MLS Nets Pro, Emmanuel Eway. So, you know, yep. this is a good program that produces good players. They've had a tough start to the year. Like you said, they're, they're starting to find goals, which is important because a lot of those losses they were suffering at the start, uh, Gliak play anyways, they, they weren't really scoring. And when they did, it would be one goal against, you know, four. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it just wasn't adding up. The math wasn't there. Uh, they're starting to find that now, getting those goals. I'm sure there's work they still want to do. Uh, obviously, they're conceding quite a bit still, and, and there's work to do there. But uh, at the very least, they're putting themselves in better positions now to, to get some results, get a little bit of a better record uh, in conference play uh, before the season gets too far gone. And, uh, and yeah, you got a lot, of, a lot of young guys, a lot of talented guys that are, that are starting to show up, and, and I think that's really encouraging for them. All right, moving on to the NSIC now. UMD holds Mankato to a 1-1 draw to keep things interesting in the standings. Minnesota State could have given themselves a little bit of a cushion with the win, but but the draw does uh, you know provide just a little bit of that, uh, that doubt. Uh, Bemidji getting back on the winning uh, side, beating Upper Iowa 3-0, and then Minot get a 1-0 win over Wayne State, currently splitting Mankato and Bemidji up in second place. So while Mankato's still up top, and still the favorites, um, you know, that big draw that UMD was able to get sort of keep Bemidji and, and Minot sort of in the, in the conversation for that regular season, for the regular season standings and who ultimately maybe most important hosts that NSIC conference tournament as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mankato were really flying high and then they still are. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it's a draw and there's plenty to build off of. They're still in first, but uh, I think something that's re- been really uh, entertaining to see so far this season is it, it feels like a lot of teams sort of floating in the lower two thirds of the table. In this case, UMD, uh, who that that program in the last several years has, has struggled. Uh, you're seeing a lot of those sides kind of show up here and there and pick up big results, which is fun and it, it keeps everyone kind of honest. These bigger t- teams, more successful teams, uh, and so yeah, you know. Mantato's still top, but but that draw plus the fact that a lot of other teams won their games over this period uh, kind of helps close the gap a little bit. And uh, and yeah, I think there's still a lot to play for for the rest of the season, which is great to see even when you have sort of a, a dominant team or two show up. Uh, it's great to see sort of the competitive level not, not waver too much uh, when you have that happen. All right. And in other news, Como Park win both the boys and girls editions of the mayor's cup over Humboldt. Of course, that match last year was played at Allianz field this year. It was Washington tech and Harding senior high and the St. Paul cup with both the Washington tech girls and boys beating Harding in those back-to-back matches. And Minnesota United posted that about 4,000 people attended those games at Allianz field. So very, very cool um, to see once again, high school soccer featured, 
uh, at the big stadium here in the Twin Cities. And, um, you know, uh, and we'll be interested to see, you know, what two teams, you know, match up there next year and the following year and, yep. and how many of those high schools can be represented in the coming years um, with those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a really great um, use of the fact that particularly that that Minnesota United has has moved to being located in St. Paul with Allianz Field. Um, I think it's a really great opportunity to connect the team to the community, to the city and to its soccer scene. You have so many uh, uh, great schools in St. Paul, uh, really talented programs and in the, in the area around St. Paul as well, obviously, um, that, that, that put good players together, that, that have good coaches, a lot of talent, a lot of talented areas, kids. Uh, and, and, you know, most of them are not going to just be handed a chance to play at a, at a professional stadium like this, a big crowd, uh, the, the attention, the, the energy, the sort of momentum of a, of a cup game, you know, against a rival school in this sort of setting. It's just not something everybody gets to do. So it's, it's great to see the club uh, sort of helping play a role in making that all possible. And, uh, and obviously congratulations to, to Coma Park and uh, uh, Washington Tech for, for getting those results. I know uh, Como, uh, the, the extra plus of, of this, although they did not play in Allianz Field last year, um Humboldt won those games so I'm sure Como Park was very happy to to get back that that Mayor's Cup but uh yeah so uh, again just just great to see that the the more local scene of the game is is being uh embraced by by Minnesota United by Allianz Field and and, and brought up to that sort of higher platform now we move on to top four. Before we get into top four, I'm not going to make the toffee box one of my top four, but I do have to say there was a moment. Alex Awobi scores in the fifth minute to give Everton a one nil lead over Man United. I texted one of my friends who is a Premier League guy. And I said, it's kind of embarrassing, but I texted, I was like, top eight question mark. And he goes, he responds, he goes, don't be stupid. They're going to concede in the next 10 minutes. And what do you know? They concede the the equalizer in the 15th, which is fine. But then you get the GOAT, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, just before half uh, with the winner. But I've, 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 my declaration is that in addition to obviously staying up, I want this team to finish with more draws than losses this year. That's my, that's my goal for this team. I don't, I don't think we'll finish with more wins than losses, but I think we could, if we, Get enough, you know, get a decent amount of wins, but finish with more draws than losses. I think that will, you know, be kind of that next level success step for this team. I do think that they'll stay above the relegation line. How far above the relegation line? I don't know. They're 12th right now, which I'm, you know, over the moon about at this point. They're playing well. They're getting guys back. So it's uh, it's exciting times to be a Toffee fan. Uh, but yeah, more draws than losses. Give it to me and I'll be fine. Top eight, top eight though is no longer in my mind. Probably not, probably not. But I, but yeah, I think this. T- I, I understand why there was all that sort of you're going to get relegated energy going into the season. But I think this team is way better than that. I, I think that you'll very much survive. Uh, unfortunately, probably not going to get a ton of points off these kinds of games. But you also got a little unlucky because Cristiano Ronaldo wasn't even playing that game, and he gets subbed in for an injury, and then. Scores, scores. 
<laughs> so it, you know, it, it, it's, it's still sort of a strange kind of fateful result, but uh, but no, I think this Everton side are, are are well good enough to to be safe, and I think they're kind of finding that finding those uh, that form now. So I think I think you'll have enough to be happy about it in good time. Everton not may, may not be a championship team, but my top four kicks off with a championship team. That is Columbus Crew, too. Uh, they beat St. Louis City in the MLS Next Pro final. Um, and, of course, two guys featured on that team with local connections, St. Paul's own Michael Vang and former forward Madison uh, stud Noah Fusan, who is becoming an MLS Next Pro stud uh, in 2022. So um, congrats to them winning the first ever MLS next pro championship. My curiosity though, is do we see Noah Fusan on the first team more primarily next year? He had a hell of a year for crew two and not even a full season. So I wonder if they'll maybe try to give him a full season to continue to evaluate him. Or, I mean, crew two, I mean, the, the, the first team uh, didn't have a great decision day. So Maybe they'll be looking for some changes. Maybe they'll looking for some new blood, some new talent for 2023. But either way, just uh, cool to have those two guys sort of on the map on that stage uh, hoisting a trophy. Yeah, very cool. Two things that just popped into my head off, off of that that I just want to throw in. One of the, on the Noah Fusan thing, yeah, I think something that we don't know yet about MLS Nets Pro because it's the first year is we don't know yet what that ladder will look like team to team moving forward in terms yeah. of how often our team's going to be like, Hey, you know, in the off season, particularly, Hey, well, we could either get really lucky in the super draft or try to make a sign, or there's this guy that we technically already have. Like, you yeah. know, how often is that going to happen? How often <laughs> is that kind of, Oh, well, let's throw him in thing going to happen in the offseason. We don't quite know what that's going to look like yet. So it'll be interesting to see. He's an example of, of someone that, that might benefit from that. AZ Jackson um, with Minnesota. Exactly. Another that's another that's that. another guy that I think everyone's kind of wondering about uh, that question. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, for, for Michael, really cool. Um, you know, I, I've uh, been been following Michael for Vane for, for a long time now. Talked to him a lot of times. Uh, and uh, it, it's, it's always great to, to see where he's at just because he's, he's a good guy trying to do good things. But really cool to see him kind of get that notch in his belt of, of having a trophy, having a, a league title. Um, I don't necessarily think that's, that's something that uh, everyone was assuming would happen when his story sort of began uh, here in the States when he came back to, to play with Madison. And, and so uh, really cool to see him add that to, to his story and, uh, and hopefully the first of many, but uh, yeah, shout out to him for sure. Um, my, my first top four is, is, is kind of a brief one, but it kind of goes off of a little bit of the high school talk from the end of the main part of the episode, but, uh, it's just, uh, for people that don't know right now, when you're listening, uh, we're right in the middle of, of section tournament play for, for boys and girls soccer, at least in Minnesota. Uh, and, uh, you've got tons of good teams playing right now. Uh, if you're listening Friday, the Thursday before you're listening is the, the semifinals I think for yeah the semifinals for section so by the time you you listen you'll still have the finals ahead and obviously state tournament but uh yeah you know check out what your what your local school or, or your alum alumni school is up to uh there's a lot of talented kids out there playing right now and one thing that's really fun about the section tournament 
is that, you know, it's a little different than the sort of professional playoffs set up in the sense that teams that, that do poorly in the regular season still take part. Um, yep. But what's really interesting about that, and, and actually, you know, a great example of this is uh, what I opened the episode talking about is that Osseo Park Center game is, uh, you know, unfortunately the Park Center boys didn't have a great year this year in regular season. They didn't, uh, you know, they, they lost some players from last year when they made a really deep run and, and they just didn't quite have, have the consistency. But this game, or the two games, but this matchup that I watched, I mean, those kids were playing their hearts out, and they and they were playing really well. They they the passing, the goals they scored. I mean, they were really a talented group. And in section tournaments, kind of bring that out of teams that aren't doing great that year. Even that, just that little extra platform, you see some really cool moments play out. Um, even just that first quarterfinal round. So. All that to say, there's some really fun soccer that's, that gets played at these these section games. And uh, if uh, you have a relevant game near you and you're thinking about going, go do it. And uh, and you'll probably you'll probably enjoy your time there. But uh, that's that's my first thought for it. Just a shout out to all the section play going on right now. Yeah. I mean, high school state finals right around the corner, too, here in just a few weeks. And you know, we'll have that all covered wire to wire as well. Um, my second thing is sort of a downer. Uh, we mentioned Noah Fusan and Michael Vang, former Ford Madison players. Um, this year has not been a great one for uh, the Mingos. At least it, it's really ended with them kind of falling flat on their face, which is kind of parallel to Minnesota United. But fortunately, the Loons had the equity uh, to sort of scrape by and still make the playoffs. Ford Madison did not. As they wrap up a disappointing 2022 campaign Saturday at FC Tucson, uh, and the Mingos could actually finish dead last in the USL one table with a loss and some other results. So um, not the first season that Matt Glazer and company were envisioning um, just at the end of August, kind of slimmer to Minnesota United. This team was flying high and you know up there close to third place in the table. But the thing with USL League one this year that I've noticed and Rob Chapel and I have talked a lot about this on the Talk and Flock podcast is there doesn't seem to be a bad team in usl league one this season if you if you have a pendulum that swings from bad to good i feel like all every single team in usl league Mm. one is on the good side of that pendulum we saw with their performances in the us open cup we've seen it we've seen it now in league play um shoot there's a there's a guy that's not too far off the golden boot and garrett garrett mclaughlin he's on north carolina who's the other team that could finish dead last in the table so you have the guy who's third in the gold, gold boot standings on a team that's potentially going to get the wooden spoon. That's just wild to think about. That, in a nutshell, kind of shows the parity that there's been in USL League One this year. And unfortunately, uh, Madison got on the uh, got on the wrong end of that in 2022. Yeah, it's too it, it's too bad. You know, we 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 talked kind of I think I guess before the the start of the season about how hopefully these appointments some of the changes being made in the team hopefully that would that would work out and that this year was going to be an important year for for uh, the, the team's history for the development of the team and, and it's, it's too bad that it's kind of looking like it's not going to quite play out um but yeah it's just too bad and and by the way uh for, for anyone listening that doesn't currently uh go check out jeremy and rob uh, on talking clock because that's that i don't watch a lot of madison games because i'm busy during all of them yeah. The main way I catch up on what's going on with that team, other than obviously seeing the scores and stuff, is 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 uh, that podcast. I don't listen to any podcast that I'm on, so I don't listen to this show. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I the, the the soda soccer podcast or the the related podcast that I do listen to a lot is is Talking Podcast because I like I, I like uh, 
catching up with what the team's up to. So anyway, shout out to shout out to you guys on that on your other pod. Even though Rob's the other person in your life than me, I, I still I still uh, I still appreciate the show. So I'm glad um, you can hold back your jealousy um, <laughs> and, and compliment me. That's My teeth good. are gritting when I listen, but I still enjoy the information. <laughs> um, but uh, he's with someone else. <laughs> My my second uh, top four is, is a cool thing that I I found out about through social media um, uh, that happened during the Vancouver game, uh, the Minnesota United Vancouver game, which was that uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Peggy Flanagan and artist Sarah Howes of Heartberry, who you may remember collaborated with the Dark Clouds for a a sweater, uh, mm-hmm. I guess at the start of the year earlier in this year, uh, they sort of teamed up or collaborated and and provided uh the first ever dark clouds flag uh in ojibwe at the vancouver game uh this last weekend and i thought that was cool that corresponded with with indigenous people's day as well obviously that um was uh, at the start of this week and uh yeah so i just thought that was a, a cool uh little new uh branch of, of that connection uh, and, uh, and a shout out to, to Sarah for all the, obviously all the great work she does with Heartberry, but also the great work that they've kind of done collaborating with the soccer community is really cool to see. Uh, and yeah, just some kind of cool crossovers and exposure and all that. Very, very cool indeed. All right. That will do it for this week's episode of 10,000 Pitches. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back next week, either breaking down a Minnesota United playoff loss or talking about how this team is advancing further in the playoffs. Either way, we will be here, Dom and I. And uh, if you need more 10K in your life, you need more Jeremy and Dom in your life, you can head over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash soda soccer, because right now Dom and I are talking MLS playoffs, and we are kind of making our predictions. Who's going to advance? Who is going to win the whole thing? You will find out right now on patreon.com slash soda soccer. So check us out there. If not, no worries. We'll catch you next week on 10K. Bye.